Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Previously on Reunion, Shark Attacks in Paradise. We were unable to bring him all the way in. Um, it's already really hard to do that in the state that he was in. And of course, there were big waves, and uh, the shark came back when we were in the water. For us, that was huge, uh, really strong message. Much too strong. Uh, it was awful. Did you see the sharks? No. Um... No, no. When we're in the form of the wave, it's just a sensation you have. On September 19, 2011, Mathieu Malela, a.k.a. Chaton, was 27 years old and away from his Reunion Island home. He'd flown to mainland France to train as a flight attendant. That's a sort of a standard gig for a certain kind of hardcore surfer because travel to famous overseas surf spots is a crucial part of the lifestyle and travel's not cheap. But September 19th, of course, is the day two sharks killed Raton's friend, Mathieu Schiller, at Boucan Cano. And do you remember, so were you in, when, when Mathieu was killed, were you in, um, were you in Paris? Where were you in France? Uh, no, I was in, uh, near the Alps. Yeah, yeah, I was like, um, I was, uh, it was weird because I was um, driving uh, along people that I didn't know in a car, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it, a uh, car share car sharing, you know? And so I was with these people that were taking me from uh, the Southwest to the Alps. And we were on the motorway. So like uh, everybody's minding, well, maybe we were talking about things, you know, uh, getting to know each other during the trip. And suddenly I get a text message and uh, my friend from Reunion Island tells me there was a shark attack and Mathieu is dead. <laughs> so I was like, um, well, I, I was like, do I do I start the subject with the, the guys in the car? Or I chose to just not talk about it because uh, I knew that they were like, they wouldn't be helpful because <laughs> they couldn't imagine what was going on and... Uh, so I just held it for a few hours. And then when I got to the place where I was going, I, I, I met 
with a friend that I was supposed to sleep at his place. And it's a friend from Reunion Island, very close to Mathieu. So we were, we had the chance to mourn together, you know, and, um, and live, you know, uh, like live, well, maybe we drank some, some beers or whatever. I don't remember, but, uh, we were following the news on the on TV and on on the computer and trying to get some news. So we were together. It was uh, precious to have a friend from reunion with whom I could share the the moment. Yeah. I'm sharing this conversation with Raton because that experience of his getting such awful news so far from home. And that decision to abandon career plans and fly back to be with friends, as it just says so much about how people and communities react and grow and change when violent death stalks and kills their friends and peers in the place they call home, to the point where nobody can pretend anymore that it couldn't possibly happen to them. I'm Dan Duane, and this is Reunion, Shark Attacks in Paradise. Episode 7, How Much Fear is Too Much. So we were totally traumatized, you know, uh, like shocked. And uh, But at the same time, the, the ocean turns into like something really peaceful and uh, changes totally, you know. So you're like, what are we going to do? Are we going to stay on the ground for the whole summer? Like uh, cowards, you know? And, uh, or, you know, frightened, like uh, chicken, you know, whatever. Or are we going to struggle and uh, get try to get our territory back, you know? If we consider that the ocean is our territory, but... Certainly, the, the surfing spots were our territory, and we wanted to get them back. So some people were too scared to go back. And um, because of my background, I think because of uh, my character and all that, I was uh, on the side of the guys who wanted to go back. So I, I started to go um, free diving first. Uh, swimming, you know, like uh, when the water became like clear, the, the ocean became smooth and quiet. Raton eventually met Fred Bile, that famous Belgian freediver who came down to Reunion to help a scientific study that was trying to put acoustic tracking tags on sharks. Bile's deal had been trying to swim underwater holding his breath and put those tracking tags on sharks by hand. And um, he said one thing. He said, uh, I would never be a surfer because he's too afraid of sharks being a shark. The freediver said this. Yeah, the freediver, yeah. He said he's too afraid. he would be too afraid of sharks if he was a surfer because he knows that a surfer is 100% well um, exposed to the shark because he doesn't watch underneath. Yeah, he said. Um, he said if I if I had to be a surfer on this island, I would watch underneath. That's the the minimum I would do, you know. Mm-mm. And so that's what I started to do. Take a mask, you know, 
and and uh, and look around. So uh, and even doing this, you don't see them. But at least they see you. They feel that she, there's people around uh, around watching, and they don't come. You would go out. You want to go surfing, so you would bring a mask, and go out and swim down to look around, and then surfs for a while, and then go look down again, sort of thing. Yeah, is that the idea? Mm-hmm. For example, you take a wave. Well, you go to the spot. So first, when you go to the spot, you look around. You get to the lineup. The lineup in surf lingo, by the way, is the optimal spot out in the water to catch waves. So it's where surfers tend to, you know, line up and wait. You've made sure that the water is clear and there's no sharks around when you went at the lineup. So then you get to the lineup, you choose your wave, surf your wave, and then when you go back, you swim and watch underneath while you go back. And you repeat the process. Jean-Francois Nativelle thought this was insane. Raton, you know, is a playboy. Uh-huh of the shark resist. Every girl love uh, Raton. When I said to everybody, don't go in the water, Raton said, go in the water. You, you have tried to surfing with glasses in uh, Maverick or in Malibu? Or I don't know, it's crazy. If the shark arrives, you can show her and say, stay, shark, stop, don't attack me because I'm, I saw you and uh, I'm, I'm strong, okay? Stay at your place. No, you know, you can you can play with human life and Raton play with human life in this time. Local authorities didn't agree. In fact, they thought Raton might be onto something. So they announced a pilot program funding surfers to become what they called Vigi Raquin or shark lookouts. Uh, pretty much they said, uh, who want to go swim with the sharks and, um, and uh, you know, and earn uh, a living you know, by doing it. But like, he was like, uh, we, we would get like 800 euros a month. 800 euros a month is like $1,000 a month. So it was like um, uh, a, con- um, a contract paid by the government, uh, not full-time. So that's why it was so, so cheap. But at the same time, they, they send you like swimming with sharks in an island where there's a big problem happening, you know. So we, we should have been paid like uh, five times or ten times this, you know. Uh, yeah, especially considering they were not allowed to carry spear guns. But we, we, we said, OK, because it was, it was so cool, you know. They, they just said, you know, get a, get a full wetsuit get a mask and uh, go underneath water. The first uh, protocol was, was, um, was a guy on a stand-up paddle and a guy freediving. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? 
Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to True Spies, the podcast that takes you deep inside the greatest secret missions of all time. Suddenly out of the dark, it's appeared in Laden. You'll meet the people who live life undercover. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position? Vengeance felt good. Seeing these people pay for what they'd done felt righteous. True Spies from Spyscape Studios, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, at this point in the story, it helps to remember that every major shark attack of 2011 had occurred in that resort zone on the northern portion of the West Coast. So a lot of surfers from that resort zone had already started migrating south toward a surf spot called Trois Bassins, or Three Ponds, a very gentle wave where the water's clear. So that's where Raton and the other shark lookouts did a lot of their work as a public safety measure. There had never been an attack on this spot. It's uh, 10, it's uh, like 12 to 15 kilometers away from the place where the first attacks happened. Okay, south of it. So we thought, to re- reassure us, we thought, well, the attacks happen north of here. They won't come down here, you know, <laughs> because they are stupid sharks. They are going to stay over there. And they are not going to come and bother us here. So we were pretty, we were trying to remain confident with this uh, stupid um, uh, belief Winter of 2012, we were like working on this spot for six months. So we gained confidence. At least until June and July of 2012, when the Southern Hemisphere winter brought bigger waves and rains and therefore, at least some of the time, murky water. So when winter came, uh, our bus, the surf instructors, they said, well, we know that you can't Uh, practice the job as in summer because now most of the time the water is uh, murky either you stay on the shore and watch from the beach or you just go surfing free surfing and you pretend you're watching for once in our life we are paid to surf you know so uh, let's go but even as raton did that he got to worrying the whole deal with murky water, right, was that bull sharks can hide in it. So I was like, actually, you're putting yourself in a very dangerous uh, position. You're in the water, but you know that you shouldn't be in the water. The only reason why you're in the water is first, because you're paid for it. And second, because uh, you think that it's not going to happen here. I had this this feeling that I could die uh, instantly. Well, I was looking underneath. Raton felt that terror acutely on July 23rd, 2012, when he was out doing the lookout thing for some surf lessons, and the instructor called the lessons off. And then the surf instructor said, okay, we finished the class, I gotta go because my girlfriend is annoying on the beach. Uh, so I, I said, okay, let's go uh, back home. Back ashore, 
Raton rode his bike. He, he's a huge cyclist, this guy. He rode his bike up through a parking lot and said hello to friends of a young surfer named Alexandre Rassiga, who'd just hit the water. Uh, so he, he looked up to me and, and the rest of our generation. And he was like, yeah, these guys, um, they are like uh, brave because they keep on surfing. They work for the lookout thing. So they help people to surf, to keep on surfing. So he was like, yeah, uh, they are cool guys. So uh, he wanted to do the same thing, you know, keep on surfing, not stay uh, on the on the ground. With, because at, at this moment, maybe uh, three out of four surfers don't surf anymore, either because their wife doesn't want them to go back or because they pretend it's their wife that that doesn't want because but uh, but but uh, actually it's because they're afraid so some of the most uh, motivated guys those who don't want to wait they've like uh, forgot it you know just like Alex you know and they don't want to think about it you know they're like uh, let's go you know uh, well uh, there was something just before us it's like 3 p.m. we can go and take a few waves you know so that's um, that's what Alex thought that day so he was like, uh, okay, uh, Raton uh, was just in the water. He, they were looking uh, for the, the surf lessons. You know, nothing happened. It's all right. We just go for an hour and get a few waves, you know. It's not just because he's, he's my son, but he was a very handsome young man, uh, almost like a model. He was so good looking. I'm his dad. Uh, that's Jean Hasiga, Alexander Hasiga's father. Jean told me that he'd always worried about his son surfing. I don't know why it was this kind of apprehension, in fact, that was um, always there. So I, I was always scared when he was surfing, yes. Every time he went off, uh, myself and his mother, we were always worried. Every year, right up until the day when the telephone rang uh, to give us the bad news. I came home from work. I was alone at, uh, at home and my phone rang. It was about uh, 4.30 p.m. So I work in the training center for firemen. So all the firemen of Reunion Island, they know me. So uh, wife's brother is also a fireman and they didn't they weren't brave enough to call me so they called him instead because he's a fireman so my brother-in-law called me and said your son is here so i was on my own i put the phone down and i just said to myself it's up and when you go to the beach we have this hope that it's going to be somebody else that there's been some mistake that you hope it's going to be somebody else under that sheet so when I arrived, there was the head of the um, squad, the fireman squad, who was waiting for me there. And he came and he took me in his arms and he walked me down the little footpath that takes, uh, takes you to the, the beach from the parking lot. And the police were there as well uh, as the firefighters. And he was already in a body bag, in fact, when I arrived. Um, they opened the bag so that I could confirm that it was uh, indeed him. And it was. Les années ont passé, mais 
the years go by, but it really is as if it happened yesterday for me. I have kids of my own, two teenagers, both girls. And that conversation with Jean Hasiga absolutely killed me. I felt like I was talking to a potentiality in the heart of every parent everywhere. Just your absolute worst nightmare. But I'm also a surfer, so I could also feel how much these shark attacks were striking deeper and deeper into the community. Because, see, that whole West Coast surf community, they'd already lost the whole resort zone. Well, they'd moved south to Trois-Bassins, and now they'd lost Trois-Bassins. And what was south of Trois-Bassins? The most famous break on all of Reunion Island, one of the most famous on earth, Saint-Leu, in a town of the same name. In fact, the mayor of Saint-Leu became so worried that he offered local fishermen two euros per kilogram, straight out of city coffers, for the meat of any shark caught in nearby waters. But then federal authorities stepped in and bigfooted this poor guy, the mayor, calling his plan illegal and dispatching police and Coast Guard to arrest any fishermen who tried to participate and making surfers now frantic with fear. That fear reached a fever pitch on August 5th when a tough saint Lo local named Fabien Bouchon, made in the shade member of the saint Lo surf pack, went out for a surf at sunset. Fabien wasn't up for being interviewed, but I met a South African named Davy Stoke who has known Fabian, or Fabs as he calls him, for decades. Yeah, I mean, he was and is still just a fantastic surfer and he really charges and, and always very low-key. And uh, yeah, there's a word for it. It's called sauvage, but it's, it doesn't really describe it because that's just being savage, but he's not savage at all. He's just very, um, what would we call it? Um, not intimate, but I mean, he just keeps to himself, you know. My good friend Luke, a really good Australian surfer, hardcore charger from... Uh, where stars from Carnarvon, and he was next to Fubs. And he, what he just told me, he just said to me, geez, we were sitting there, there were, there were only two of them out. Um, it was late evening, and this thing hit Fubs, and I took him down. And he said, I didn't move a limb. I mean, this thing came around and hit him again, and Fubs just came up like fighting and kicking. And, uh, and he said, Jeez, Davey, I didn't do a damn thing. I was just in shock, and this thing looked like it was just intent on killing him. Fabian told a Paris newspaper that he was just sitting there on his surfboard when the shark charged head-on. Half of its body was out on the water, crushed on mine, my calf between his fangs. The impact knocked Fabian off his board. I was in 1.50 meters of water and couldn't see anything. There was a cloud of blood in front of me and this huge thing, this huge mass of gray-brown color with this white mouth. It was pulling on my leg like a piece of fish with sharp sideways movement of its head. I could see it tearing, going to shred, but I felt no pain. Fabian fought back while the shark severed his right foot and his right hand. But there is this 
survival instinct. Where does it come from? I have no idea. Anyway, I keep fighting. With his remaining hand, Fabian grabbed the shark's gills and yanked like hell until the shark let go. Witnesses told me Fabian got himself back onto his surfboard and jammed his right wrist, the one missing a hand, up into his chin to stop the bleeding and then used the other arm to paddle himself towards shore. Yes, well, I mean, you know, I mean, uh... I don't know how he did it. I mean, you can just imagine your foot off, your freaking hand off. I mean, uh, you know, blood pissing everywhere. I mean, where do you actually stop bleeding? Davy Stokes' Australian friend watched all of this and was traumatized. And he just said, fuck it, Davy. I didn't move a fucking inch. This thing hit him and fucking came around and hit him again. And it was intent on killing him. And I just shat myself. And then he kind of like paddled him in, but you know, a couple of times later we'd go partying and he, and you know, completely off our tits, he'd just be going, fuck, I mean, I, I really don't feel good about what I did. I was going, hey, Luke, it was like a war situation, you know, and how you react is nobody else's business but yours. <laughs> Fabian came ashore in front of a small concrete building that houses the Sandler Surf Club, the very belly of the beast for reunion surf culture. I dropped by there one day, and I heard the president of that club, Alain Courtois, say he'd watched all of this. Yeah, we, we saw him to, to come out. You saw him come out of the I, water? Yeah. He come by, by himself. By himself? Yeah. Wow. With one leg and one arm. He got himself back to the yeah, shore with yeah, one leg yeah. and one arm? Right yeah. here? Yeah. The guy is a legend. Yeah, a legend. The warrior. The warrior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, I read that he that he resisted the shark. That he he he, fight, he fighted with with the shark, and uh, he was the the thing he do was clever because after the the, the bite, yeah, he get bite twice. Yeah, okay, uh, he lost he lost his, his leg at that place, and yeah. and he, you know he put his leg like under his you know for for the blood uh, to stop, stop the blood. Wow, yeah, stop the blood. Wow, and and paddling with one one arm. To come here on the rocks. Wow. Wow. That's uh, that's heavy. That's a hard man. That's heavy. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's heavy. Tough. That is heavy. Yeah. And ice. Alain told me also that the sheer frequency of shark attacks by that point was becoming overwhelming. Eric Darjean, Eddie Aubert, Mathieu Schiller. Trabassin, Alexandre, Rassica, and Fabien here. And it was like a bim, 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 bim. And, and can I ask you a question, you guys? When that, when there were so many attacks at so such a short period of time that year, what what did that what did that feel like to live through that? To have this kind of acceleration in numbers of them? It was a, a nightmare for us. Oh. It was a nightmare because we, we was we were surfing every days, you know, with no no problem with yeah. sharks. Yeah. And yeah. in uh, one day, just start in Saint Gilles, yeah. and. A everywhere attack or uh, people die and I uh, said it was a nightmare for us and many of surfers stopped to surf they stopped yeah yeah Jean-Francois completely stopped yeah right? yeah in one day there was no more people in the water wow wow uh, between the um, <clears throat> you know the to see your friend at hospital or go to cemetery 
and it was too much for us, you know, it was too much. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So much, in fact, that surfer response took on a quality of violent desperation. Jean-Francois Nativelle reprised his Eric Darjean performance by riding out on another fishing boat, landing a 650-pound bull shark, cutting it open, and finding, unfortunately for him and other surfers, not human remains, but 13 dead bull shark babies. Bad optics from a conservation standpoint and kind of freaky from a shark proliferation standpoint. The French government did lean slightly toward helping by announcing a new scientific study, catching and killing a few sharks, to see if it might be safe to re-legalize the commercial sale of shark meat in markets. But that got newspapers quoting the big French shark expert Bernard Serret again, saying, Imagine a reunionese who's going to eat a bull shark and thereby might eat the flesh of a surfer. It's ridiculous and unthinkable. So now surfers planned a protest march on the office of the Marine Reserve because they were convinced that all this insane resistance to helping them, all this unwillingness to do anything to protect anybody who used the water was the fault of the reserve. But then law enforcement agencies somehow got wind of this planned protest and tipped off reserve officials, including Soroya Isap Mahmoud. We had been warned the day before by the RG, the Renseignement Généraux, or the intelligence services, that there was going to be a demonstration in front of the reserve the next day. And they said that the police would therefore be present in order to provide security. Dozens of federal riot police in full-on riot gear got to the reserve early and hid inside the office building in case the wild surfer horde, like, stormed the building. About 100 surfers did show up, and they were furious and really upset, and they screamed mean stuff and threw eggs and, like, shook the locked gates. When those gates broke open, police surged forward and blocked surfers from entering. So the surfers retreated, regrouped, and four days later staged a second protest, this time at federal government offices with 500 outraged surfers and fishermen complaining that every time they caught anything nowadays, 
a shark would suddenly appear out of nowhere and gobble their catch right off the line. And still, elite opinion in Paris remained ferociously against anyone who wanted to hurt sharks. Sea Shepherd posted a new public letter damning that mayor, you know, the one who tried to authorize shark fishing, and telling him he ought to go after violent husbands for domestic abuse if he was really worried about public safety. Even Charlie Hebdo, the famous Parisian satirical magazine, jumped on the anti-surfer dogpile with what it called an official fatwa against the surfers of Reunion Island. What do we need more, surfers or sharks? The surfer keeps the surfboard and donut industries afloat. The shark doesn't just clean oceans of bums, it also cleans them of hassles. Long live the bulldog shark, the tiger shark, all the big two things that grind up smug wankers before shitting them out. Three days after Charlie Hebdo issued its fatwa, on August 15th, that new French government study, the one aimed at testing the edibility of shark meat, right, to see if they could, like, reopen the commercial shark fishery and solve this nightmare that way, they caught a single shark. And this was such an affront to the head of the local chapter of the Brigitte Bardot Foundation, a guy named Didier Deran, that he told local media he would now deliberately swim all by himself way out to sea to prove it was safe. And I said, well, the only way, I think, to show people that the sea isn't dangerous and that the sharks were not necessarily man-eaters was simply to go in the water, to go swimming out to the open sea for several kilometers, for several hours at a time, and to come back alive without a scratch. There is quite an unusual mindset in Reunion because surfers here consider themselves owners of the wave and owners of the ocean. So the reasoning of uh, Mr. Nativelle and the surfers is to say, I am the owner and anybody who, who disturbs me, I will kill them. And of course, if we listen to them in 50 years' time, there won't be a single fish left in the ocean, there won't be any sharks left, because we will have killed them all. On August 26th, Didier Deron swam as promised and finished his long ocean swim right at the Saint-Louis Surf Club, where Fabien Boujon hauled himself out of the water, missing a hand and a foot. Deron also had journalists waiting for him on the shore to cover his swim, right? Meant to say, hey, look, I proved it's not dangerous. And it turned out there was a party going on at the surf club at that very moment. There were hundreds of people. Even when I was still in the water, they were insulting me with a loudspeaker. And when I came out of uh, the water, they started pushing me around and to try to strike me. All I did was to go swimming on my own in the ocean. I was threatened all the time. I was telephoned at home. My car was vandalized six times in one year. And I, my insurance company would no longer insure me because I had to repaint my car three times. The insurance company no longer wished to insure me on my car. Somebody in the surfer community, in other words, or more than several, snapped, like just went psycho and started playing dirty. And this is when authorities realized they were about to have a guerrilla war on their hands. 
So what do they do? Host a conference, invite big-time global shark attack experts to fly in from all over the world, confab, share notes, and figure out once and for all what the hell everybody was supposed to do. Coming up next on Reunion, Shark Attacks in Paradise. I had been brought in to do a show and tell for this whole presentation, get roundly hated by everyone, conspiracized, and just for this one moment so the mayor could then essentially put the kibosh on the biotope report that we put together and present her own report, which was Kill the Sharks. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes. Reunion, Shark Attacks in Paradise is a production of Hyperobject Industries, Little Everywhere, and Sony Music Entertainment. It's written, reported, and hosted by me, Dan Duane. Executive produced by Adam McKay, Claire Slaughter, Harry Nelson, Dan Gallucci, and Jane Marie. Produced and engineered by Joy Sanford, Mike Richter, Dan Gallucci, and Jane Marie, with help from Zaylee Mahone. Edited by Dan Gallucci and Jane Marie. All final mixes by Mike Richter. Reunion, Shark Attacks in Paradise was interpreted by James Christie and Pauline Chardin. Special thanks to all of our voice actors, Fred Giel, Sandrine Ristello, Julio Mendy, and Marley Otto, and to the many people on Reunion Island that helped make all of this possible. 